Hello, this is Sam with Electric Ghost. Is this Desideria? Yes, hello. Hi. Thank you for joining. And uh, glad we got the time zone issue. <laughs> so, yeah, I just want to give a little brief uh, intro. Fam Liquor Ghost, uh, we're an indie music producer and podcaster. We've been podcasting since 2018. We've interviewed over 30 artists from mm. around the world. Uh, right. we're, we're a member. And we're on 11 different platforms, and we've hit over 20,000 listeners since 2018. Mm. So, mm. Um, yeah, I was looking at your um, YouTube channel. And let me know if you have mm. any other places where your music is, because we can provide links on the podcast to everywhere your music is. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I just want to give a, another little brief uh, intro. Like from your YouTube channel, it says you're from Gotland, Sweden. You're an experimental pop composer. You do weird pop, sound art, ambient. Uh, you're a <laughs> songwriter. And uh, mm. yeah, you kind of channel. I'm kind of old school. I'm over 50 years old. I mm. kind of hear a little Kate Bush. I hear uh-huh. some Tori Amos. I hear some, some like very interesting um, electronic music. You know, alone. Mm. Like I, I'm a big fan of the new romantic stuff, so I hear. Mm. You know, I hear a little Susie and the Banshees, but that's me. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> but like I'm a big uh, proponent of the old old school, like you know, sounds with analog synths and kind yeah. of hardware work. I use Moogs and Profits and old Rollins mm. and things like that. But um, yeah. Yes, mm. your 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 um your your sound is like really interesting because a lot of times mm. today, you know, with everybody using plugins and stuff, your sounds sound very unique. They don't sound mm. like they were pulled from from a DAW, even if they are. Mm. Um, so <laughs> you've got really good like choices in what you're using for your palette, you know. So I just wanted to say that up front. Um, oh, thank you. And I really like the video that's tied to your Instagram is for serotonin. Yeah. And, you know, being from the U.S., I, I can understand the lyrics on. <laughs> mm. But but the, the the feel, like I said, it's like Kate mm. Bush-like. It's like like a dream pop progressive mm. sound. It's really interesting. Mm. Um, but when we get into how what we talk about, we usually start with the first question is like, when did you first get into music and at what age? And then we'll kind of build to how you got to a song like Serotonin. Mm, okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question really for me um, because when I was um, a very young, like a child, you know, I was very interested in sound, uh, even though I maybe didn't define it like that at the time. Uh, but I was raised really like in, in nature a lot and kind of offside a bit. And my, my parents and my family wasn't like very artistic or like anything like that. So, um, so I didn't know much about like artists or music. Uh, you know, my, my first CDs were like from these $1 shops or like 10 crown shops in Sweden uh, that was like 90s music that like never made it you know <laughs> oh, yeah. what, kind of, what kind of bands were you listening to probably I you know I didn't even register you know at the time it was like this super electric uh, um, 
you know, often like in the 90s, it was popular to make like a top la 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 and then mix all these different artists yeah. on an album. Oh, okay. So you're just getting like, like, like these like K-Tel in the US. Like, oh, yeah. And they, would, they would have like every disco song or every yeah. new wave song from Blondie yeah. and like all these bands <laughs> would all be on this one like vinyl. Exactly. Only that, like, it was probably those kind of artists that nobody even like knew about, anyways, because they, it was yeah, like. Yeah, it wasn't Casey and the Sunshine Band, or it's probably some band you never heard of. Uh, like, yeah. like, the, like, big star of the Velvet Underground that nobody knew. Um, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. There's like the super electric, you know. Yeah, uh, I was, yeah. Um, uh, but I was really like, I was spending a lot of time by myself singing in, and in nature. And I liked that. I liked to be a lot, like by myself a lot as a child. And I was a lot singing and being out and, uh, and, and listening to different things. And I was like trying to make things, uh, like see how things sounded. And uh, um yeah, it, it was like a game for me. It still is, in a way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, how, uh, yeah, so maybe, like, so you yeah. said you, you weren't trained, like, in a conservatory. Um, no. Right? You just, are you, like, self-taught, or did you actually start getting into music theory and other things later? Um, you know, I... Um, when I I have some different trainings, like now I've been even to like composition school, but um, but but it started late for me. Like you know, when I was in like high school, I still didn't know who like Michael Jackson was, <laughs> and I uh, like I uh, uh, I went to a music school. <laughs> I, I I started a music school uh, in like sixth grade here, so mm-hmm. it's so it's like between you're like an older child to an early teenager. Um, And at that, I was met by really people who were like, oh, the Beatles and, you know, the, um, you know, David Bowie is the most amazing thing. And, you know, it is too, but it's only if you have a certain reference point that you understand how great it is at what it is, you know? Um, So uh, for me, having like no reference point like that, I was just really... I felt like people were really pretentious uh, and strange, so I ended up hating. <laughs> the music. Hating what everybody loved you. you. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, I don't hate the music. I, I'm not yeah. a big fan of Beatles, but I am a fan of David Bowie. So it's it's yeah. both, you know. Yeah, both Bo- uh, a big draw. Can I lie? hear a lot of yeah. musicians today mm. just because he you know, reinvented himself all the time. Yeah, he yeah. went into different genres. You know, he went to Berlin. He mm. did he did all this stuff with Brian Eno. Uh, yeah, he he was like on the cutting edge where like craft work were building. He was like in on that sound. Yeah, that became, that became mm. new wave. He was like doing new mm. wave. Yeah, he was so... before everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no. Now I'm really into it. Like <laughs> I've caught up since. <laughs> Yeah, I, think a lot of, I mean, I'm a synthesizer player, so Bowie yeah. was always very appealing because he had his rock phase, yeah. you know, during the Ziggy Stardust and all that. Yeah, but yeah. When he went into his heavy electronic stuff, mm-hmm. that actually, like I said, is a precursor to the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's a precursor to like craft work and, and uh, you know, The Cure and, and all mm-hmm. these bands like New Order and, you know, uh, 
you know, yeah. Joy Division, all those bands yeah. kind of took, took from what he was doing when he was experimenting in Berlin. And yeah. that has always really appealed to me when an artist is willing to do that, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right completely and also his you know his sketches i saw i saw um when i was in new york like last year i saw uh, the museum there and i got to see some of his like sketches and yeah exactly the visual vision as well and like the how how much conceptual things went into his work i find that really inspiring I, i find him as a person really inspiring and interesting and yeah yeah. A lot of what, what I like to do is like what I, what I heard from him and I also heard from my prince was like, mm. like the, the reason, um, like if you're an artist, sometimes your stagecraft is very important. Yeah. And, you know, you, if you think of like a heavy metal band, not to come down on metal bands, but they'll just go out in their jeans mm. and stuff, mm. you know, and that's fine. But that's what they like to do. But guys like Prince and Bowie felt like there's a part of like uh, entertainment or music that it's about like the stagecraft. Yeah, about, yeah, you know, becoming a character and kind of being mm-hmm. like an actor. And yeah. the cool thing about Bowie is he he mixed like theatrical and mm-hmm. film and art, yeah. like the way Warhol did with the Velvets. You know, Andy yeah. Warhol with the Velvet Underground, he mixed like very advanced art with yeah. like a, a book of punk aesthetic, where Bowie yeah. took like the theatrics of like rock, yeah, and then, like opera and off Broadway and movies and film and he mixed it all together and then he like he did it like a method actor. He became mm. Ziggy or he became the thin white duke or he became Aladdin saying he he became those characters. He was like playing them like like the way Al Pacino or De Niro get into a role. He would like become like a method actor. I think that is very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. I'm, oh, I'm really into like the concept of method acting. You know, I used to study Stanis- Stanislavski for years. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it's, and it's interesting you say like that, like Velvet Underground and uh, yeah. And that whole yeah. pop movement and that time, it's just, a lot about it is really interesting. Like I'm really interested in John Cage as well, and like his way of thinking about like constructing music in certain systems. And like I don't know, I really love his work. Like, um, what's it called? Like it's silence. It, it was when I always forget his name, but his one of his best friends who was also like a big composer at that time, I think. Or if he was a maybe a, a visual yeah. artist. Do you know who it is? Like lecture on silence is oh, the one okay. I mean. I I like, I know. It kind of seems I know what you're yeah. talking about. The, the area you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's like like a lot of His, artists. I got it's, it's very say. interesting. It's like yeah. silence. Like if you think about like if you talk about Prince yeah. is a pop star, but as a pop star, like when doves cry, is very interesting just because <laughs> of the silence. The, the fact that yeah, it doesn't yeah. have a baseline, it has all this sparse nature. You know, some of his early work, like Dirty Mind, it's got this kind of demo, very experimental quality mm-hmm. that a major pop star usually doesn't take risks like that. Doesn't, doesn't yeah, exactly. mix genres at the level he did, uh, do, do very yeah. like radical compositions and actually get him to be number one. That is very mm-hmm. hard to do. And, and I've always been interested in like the mega stars that could do that 
And then also like the stars, yeah. like they're like an Alex Chilton from Big Star. I mean, he's a favorite. He, um, Big Star is kind of like the modern 70s Velvet Underground. Um, they were like a pop band from the U.S. created by Alex Chilton, mm. who was famous for being in the band called The Box Tops when he was a teenager. He did these kind of pop mm. songs, this famous song called The Letter. And then he created an American mm. copy of The Beatles called Big Star. Mm. Now, Big Star was never that big. Not a lot of people know him, bro. They had three records. Bro. Oh, yeah, they're like five-star mm. records. But like bands like R.E.M., oh. The Replacements, which could do a lot of like uh, grunge and indie bands from the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s were, were name-checking name yeah. Big Star all the time, like The Velvets. Oh, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Just, I always was very interested in bands that never made it, but then are crit- critically. Yeah, excited. right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that as well. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it's kind of mirroring what I'm uh-huh. doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I totally get that. So, yeah. So, as a musician, you you learn composition. You went to school. So, what what are your right. primary instruments? Are you like a keyboard player or a guitar uh-huh. player or or a vocalist primarily? Uh-huh. Mm, I mean, I think as I would say I'm a producer primarily, uh, and uh, I I use a lot my voice and I play the harp as well. But I'm self-taught harpist, so I'm not classical. Uh, I I usually play it like kind of almost the wrong way. Yeah, that's always good. I always think it's good to play the wrong way. Yeah. Then you actually something new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially with like orchestral instruments, I find it really interesting because it's like uh, there's this culture around it that you still can't do that. Like with guitar, you can do whatever. But uh, but when I was in that music school, I was quite young, you know. So I I learned that that was all about like pop rock and kind of understanding. Um, the music history in terms of that and uh, I learned drums uh, guitar bass and piano to play basic but I would say I'm pretty crap at all of them no, but I, mean, <laughs> they're, 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 I think the whole point of being a producer or singer songwriter yeah. is you don't have to mm. be like pitch perfect in your voice you don't have to be the best guitar player but but no uh, exactly Dylan. I mean Dylan's like the primary example He's yeah. not got. He doesn't have a perfect pitch. He's not the greatest guitar player in the no. world, but he created some of the greatest music in the world. He's not at the yeah. level of like you know a Hendrix. He's not at the level of an Eric Clapton. But as a songwriter, you don't necessarily have to be a Clapton. You don't have to be like a Townsend no. or, or or somebody at that level. You, if you have something to say and you do it in a unique way, you see what happens with like a Dylan. You know. Mm-hmm. He, he, that's, yeah. that, that's I've always told people like don't quit because you don't you're not mm. you're yeah and your own style can be mm. its own thing yeah yeah and no, I think so too and and I like to think of it more as like because uh, yeah just to finish up like because I keep getting off track but I I went two years to like uh, more like notation-based composition school recently as well um, and learned about like orchestral music and then um, on Gotland as well where I have part of my heritage from and uh, I uh, uh, also uh, oh, I went to, for a year of like free art where I like made this project in like 5.1 surround sound that was like 
made of recordings from my childhood favorite places. And then I tried to make a concept where where it would be like my my like roots or my childhood dreams, how they could kind of come into womanhood. Uh, I, I was like, yeah, spending a year with that. It was becoming like a 40 minutes kind of sound installation thing for uh, cinematic sound. So that was, uh, so in, I'm into many different things and, and serotonin is definitely like a pop song or like some kind of pop song yeah. at least. It's like a dream uh, pop. It seems at like least in terms of how it's... Yeah, yeah. The, I like I like that description a lot. I, I've, I feel like that's very much uh, where I wanted to go with it. Um, and it was, I made it for a movie, um, a fashion movie made by Tony Kim called Alter Ego. Um, yeah, it's a soundtrack, yeah. Uh, but the rest of my music, I do a lot of like experimental, more like ambient things. And I like to start from, I like to not think of it as music so much. Like I do construct more music or think more music when I write more like a song like that. But often I think of it more as like sound by sound. And uh, yeah, it's more yeah. interesting for me to think of it as sounds than, than music. And then it does become music because I have this need to like express myself. Jimi Hendrix was asked like, what is mm. uh, Electric Ladyland? You know, he said, well, it's a sound thing. And I always mm. took that. Right. If you think about it and you think about what, okay, Andy Warhol, you think about Bowie, you think about a lot of like uh, modern, well, you know, progressive bands like Yes and Pink Floyd, the idea of, of mm. taking progressive electronic music and making it into sound paintings Hendrix kind of described that about mm. Electric Lady in like in 68, um, 69. And now, because if you listen to Electric Lady, you hear birds, you hear water, you hear all these strange things that you did with a mm. guitar that normally you would do with a synth. Um, and uh, I think the idea that you can take sound and create a, like a painting. Uh, yeah, a really exactly. really good way to express it. And I've talked to a lot of dream pop, pop electronica, you know, synth wave mm. artists. They actually, you know, didn't mm. find those words, but that's what they're doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely get the what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's always been <laughs> like people were like, "Well, who are you inspired by?" And then I would say Hendrix. He said, "What's that got to do with synths?" And I said, "Well, you, you know, you, anybody who's doing anything interesting, you know, that that doesn't matter. Yeah. That you know, you just don't say Rick Wakeman or you say Bernie World. Not that you wouldn't, um, but." But you can also be inspired by other, you know, musicians that are on a different instrument that they can inspire you. I listen to Coltrane, you know, I listen to like Sun Ra. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of jazz yeah. inspires me just because the structures are so advanced in what they're doing, you know, and what they're expressing yeah. is like a sound painting. If you listen to jazz, it's, you know, a yeah. sound painting. Um, and it, it, it drives all kinds of moods and feelings and you can kind of see mm -hmm. the pictures you know you get synesthesia in a way um when you listen to music like that and i think that's always inspiring mm -hmm. you know it seems like you're in you're in that same kind of space based on i've seen your your youtube channel yeah. um and um mm -hmm. the video for serotonin you know well it had just a you know it's just a mm -hmm. picture but um 
yeah, your overall channel has some interesting things on it. We'll put the link on the podcast when we put it up. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, so maybe go through some of the other questions. So so you've been yeah. working on music since you were like six, seven years old, like you were saying, right? Yeah, probably, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> when did you realize that, you know, not everybody who, uh, you know, goes to music class decides that they're actually going to be a musician, mm-hmm. you know? When, when did you start right. that you, you didn't want to just be like a classical <laughs> musician and play in an orchestra or, or play in a cover band that you want to uh, actually write your own material? Oh, it was very clear from the beginning. Like I hated uh, uh, to play covers and I hated to go to music school um, and to learn about music in, in a, a way that I felt we, was square. Um uh, so I became, I thought that I became uninterested in music after that. Uh, I was like, this is not for me. Because what dro- always drove me forward was this like innate, really like a need to express myself in some way. Um, so after that, I thought like, you know, I'll, because I wanted to sing as well. And, and I, I you know, I went to like a singing <laughs> class, oh, you know, for like so more classical trained, singing teacher. I wasn't, I just went to the one class and they told me your voice is completely wrong. <laughs> like you have to start completely from yeah, the well, beginning. They, you know, <laughs> people told, you know, Michael Stipe and they told, they told Dylan that they couldn't sing. Oh, look, look, look where they are. Yeah, of yeah, course. So you can't go. Yeah. The teachers, like they kicked Tori Amos yeah. out of the conservatory. Uh, you know, so yeah, that, that tells you how exactly. much, you know, they know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they know what what they do, but I realized much later that you know when I listen to classical singers, it's uh, it's not necessarily how I would like to sing. So it doesn't yeah, matter yeah, at all. Yeah, but, you find but, your you know, own voice. You find what you want to do. I mean, it's cool to have the technical training yeah. to understand composition yeah. or understand what it's, you know the 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 boundaries that they have. It's good to understand it and yeah. break them. <laughs> you know, but, but uh... yeah, exactly. Exactly, but I think um, um, anyway. To answer your question, like I, I gave up on music for a couple of years, and uh, I thought that I would become some kind of like maybe actor, or um, or do something else in art, and uh, <clears throat> And then when I was 18, I started writing and then I like bought a guitar and uh, I started like to write things. And, uh, you know, I always had that interest for sound and I just, you know, uh, I, I would like download like a free version of Audacity and just play around. And, and then it would like kind of come to me again as a hobby. And it wasn't really something I thought I would be doing. Um but then it kind of grew past my interest of wanting to be an actor or something else. It just grew in me that I wanted to uh, do sound and then it's just continued to grow. So I think that's how I <laughs> ended up here, that I really want to do it in, in some own way or some bigger way. It's just progressed that way. Um, so yeah. in terms of influences, <laughs> you talk about how Bowie, your name tech Bowie, but if you were going to talk about some like female reference points in terms of your style, do you have other musicians, not even just female, but any other musician that, that big uh, draw mm. in terms of your reference points or who you um, 
Now you're trying to emulate, but maybe you are inspired by. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm really most in, like inspired by things like FX Twin and Arca and uh, Autaker, cool. <laughs> things like that. That's uh, yeah, the collection. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's interesting to hear <laughs> really people, like... where they where they're coming from, and especially like indie song singer songwriters always come up with a lot of things that aren't like current <laughs> necessarily. But um, yeah, but that's kind of interesting because I think that's cool to 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 show the depth of what you're doing. Um, uh, so that's mm -hmm. that's always interesting. Um, but if you're going to describe your genre, like which is always hard, people sometimes they either some artists like totally know what genre they're in. Like, oh, I'm dream pop. I'm industrial on my EDM on trance mm. what, what would you say is, or is your style somebody was going to pin you down are you going to put it on a single what mm. would you say it is right mm. uh, I think I would um, I probably say uh, that I'm some kind of mixture between a dream pop uh, or some kind of like more dreamy uh, because I use a lot of vocals and a lot of things and lyrics. So, um, and then experimental yeah. music. So I, think, I think I'm, I'm the mix between that. And I think what I will be doing in future as well is just mix things that are a bit more towards like, yeah, synth wave and pop, uh, dream pop, or like just very ambient type of pop uh, and then mix it with, uh, things that are even more like, you know, electronic and, and eh. so it's, it's different things. And I do certain projects and installations that have nothing to do with, you know, me singing as well. But I would say no, I have many visual ideas, but I'm, I'm not like, uh, I, I don't make visual artists art so much myself, except like, you know, mm -hmm. drawing and I guess a little yeah. bit, you could say, but like, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't dare to call myself a visual artist completely, um, but I, I do work with like video ideas and concepts, and I think I'm gonna work on that more like in the future because I, in that sense, like I you know and, and female references, I guess I do really like you know Kate Bush as well and Bjork and PJ Harvey yeah, and yeah, you know I these. Did hear that. I forgot to say that yeah? I did hear kind of kind of punk aesthetic a little bit from her and, and some of the, yeah, some yeah. Of the song that yeah. kind of shifts into this kind of very like powerful kind of punk aesthetic that mixed with the, mm. with the dream pop which is really interesting uh, mm. yeah so a lot of things i always ask people because a lot of people today they're they live in the digital audio workstation world uh, they live you know mm. using you know pro tools and mm. uh, all all those different right. you know tools mm. um but you know, I, I'm a pure electronic musician going back to like, you know, the Jupiter 8, uh, you know, roll, you know, going yeah. back to like the mini modes <laughs> and EMF, VC3, yeah. uh, mode modulars, and, you know, just the the, the whole idea yeah. of, a, of the original electronic music was there was analog. And, and mm -hmm. they, they were, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the keyboard that, players yeah. were considered, you know, to be electronic musicians. Now we have a lot of DJs mm -hmm. and producers and sampling. Mm -hmm. And people using, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of different 
uh, soft synths, but not, you know, actually being keyboardists or piano players or even typical musicians. And they're very good producers. Um, but they've yeah. kind of lost sight of some of the, the original, like, impetus behind yeah. the music. And so the question I have mm-hmm. is, like, are you primarily using, mm-hmm. you know, digital audio workstations and samples and loops and soft synths, or are you using hardware synths and physical instruments like your harp? Mm. Mm. I use both. I really like, I think that what you're saying is really relevant. And I feel like a lot of people are, are realizing that and going back to where it's like more like physical hardware things and including like myself, I'm really interested in like, you know, just gearing. I would even like to really get into like Eurorack and I mean, it's really popular yeah, yeah, these I mean, days I too. I built two years ago and I'm always fiddling with it. <laughs> And, oh my god. And it's like full voltage <laughs> analog programming. I could just go off into a total tangent. But um yeah, there's something about yeah. when you have <laughs> an analog synth like that and you can just recreate it every mm-hmm. day. You I, like sometimes I just pull all the wires out mm-hmm. and start all over again. Mm-hmm. And when you do that with these machines, yeah. you don't have to get a sample, you don't have to get a plug in, you don't have to buy oh. every day on my mode. I can make mm-hmm. it sound different. Mm-hmm. If I if I play it, yeah, it yeah, no, warms up, it sounds different. If I play it after like thirty minutes, it sounds different. If I turn it on the next day, it sounds different. It just is always different. Now, some people would say, "Well, that's unstable and I can't use it." But yeah. if you're an experimental artist, you kind of love it because every time you come to it, yeah, it it kind of gives you something else, and you come up with different yeah. ideas on how to take the waveforms and run them through the LFOs and all these different things you can do. They're technical, but they're very yeah. artistic once you learn what they do. Yeah, once, it, once you learn what yeah. the Eurorax can you, do, you just, oh my gosh. <laughs> down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's like uh, you build a relationship with that particular entity of electronic as well. And I really feel like machines, uh, they are like, they are like uh, entities with spirit to me. Like, they have a, a way of carrying electronics that's, yes, it's like, it's a, it's man-made and it's like, but the electricity in itself, like through these different machines, has an expression of their sound, just like a voice in a human would. And to have something that's more of a, like something that you can actually connect with, I, I find it becomes really personal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I find like, them almost say, Like a lot of us like that play your own actually like we play the filter. That kind of means like like I'll run yeah. a tape, like a digital tape. I run mm-hmm. I run through zooms. I don't I actually use digital recorders instead of using DAWs mm-hmm. because I take all my Eurorack yeah, yeah. analog gear and I kind of just start a session, and then I play mm-hmm. nod per function on these synths, and I record all my knob mm-hmm. changes. I record all my CV changes. I record all my slider changes. Everything I'm doing physically on the machines. As, as a musician, yeah. so when these Euroracks, they have all these dials, they look intimidating, they have all these sliders, but you can use them like the keys on a keyboard. And if you use all mm-hmm. those inputs, you have so many different ways of changing the waveform that it becomes musical. If you're yeah. a musician, you can use it in a musical way. And that, that's like the yeah. key to original electronic music that was done back in the 60s, in the 60s like switched on Bach, mm-hmm. was, was created mm-hmm. in that kind of way. Um, which is like the core like yeah. beginning of using modes. Um, and so, yeah, and Keith Emerson was famous for doing that. And uh, it's just, 
a Bernie Worrell from Funkadelic. That's how they play these instruments. And, and I think people are starting to realize that you have so much depth in the analog world um, that you kind of have to look at it again um, to see that's like the core of electronic music. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And you get a whole different perspective as well on like what electronics is uh, by w working with it, especially like Eurorack, where you actually can build certain parts uh, or like at least order them and then build, to build it together again. And you really see like how the elect electricity goes like through the veins of the machine. And like, for me, at least, like watching videos like that, I haven't actually got it myself. But like, I worked a little bit with one, and I would like to build. Like, yeah, I feel like you can really see. Um, see, yeah, you can you can get into like feel electronic music in like a completely different way than if you're just using software. So it's really interesting. But I like uh, how it. I like in in today that there is like software as well because I feel like you get a whole other level of precision and uh, like there are certain things about like all of the variations that you can get with like having that and then using software as well that's yeah, you really like i hear pure flavor, like all analog all the way and i i combine it i mean i i i have digital i have yeah, yeah. i have you know like FM digital sense mm. and modern digital sense and like a teenage engineering OPZ. But, you know, you can do all kinds mm. of modern stuff and to take the classic stuff. Mm. But the whole point of it is that it's like, it's like a painter. Like you got a different palette for different things. Yeah. You know, some days I want a Moog yeah. baseline because the Moog, that's what it is. And other days I might use a soft yeah. sense pad, you know, but, but you never know or a sample because I want to use a sample. But you don't say, well, I one is better than the other one, or you don't ever want to touch this one. You kind of take all the tools you have and you use them based on whatever right. you're trying to do, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I couldn't agree more. So, so the cool <laughs> thing I think today, though, is um is now we have this merging of people realizing that everything's like valid. You know, you can go back and do like a real tape loop on a physical tape machine. Or, or or you go and get a like a, a, a Steinway piano, you sample it into a sampler and then you rip it up and run it backwards and forwards and inside out. So people are doing all kinds of different things, you know, like George Martin used to do, and not to bring up the Beatles, but the backward tape looping and using the studio as a production. And if you have a DAW, you're kind of the end of George Martin. You're, yeah. kind of, you're on the grid and you can kind of rip everything apart and do, do. Yeah, yeah, it's quite yeah. that isn't yeah. Mm. Mm. Totally. Mm. So, have you played? Yeah. Like, do you? Are you primarily like a production musician that like does your visual work? You do your 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 music. It gets out on the on the cloud on the internet. But do you physically mm. perform anywhere? Or you have are you moved toward doing that? Or have you ever done that? Or are you thinking about doing it? I'm moving towards doing that. Um, so at the moment, I've been experimenting a lot uh, and, and just made a lot of like different hardware videos and some some more like production with some visual ideas. And I'm hoping to like release uh, something more concrete, like maybe an, maybe an EP with mixed like ambient and some, uh, some more like ambient dreamy pop. And, uh, and then 
put that together. And then when I release that, I think I'm going to move towards also performing more and uh, and getting out there more. So <laughs> yeah. Would you be somebody that would be using, you know, just because of what, what a lot of guys do today is like a MIDI controller off of like, you know, main stage mm-hmm. or something off of an Apple computer? Or would you actually try to find some kind of, you know, control device like you know a euro rack and maybe something i don't know uh how would you like anticipate yeah. doing it just to give an example i'm a one-person band and i have a, mm. like a massive rig of like since like looking like like rick wakeman or something and I have all this, yeah yeah, yeah. And I, and I come out with a stagecraft where i i dress up in an led costume with a phantom mask and you can't you can't see the ghost you know family like a ghost is the idea is it's a band of ghosts and my my lead the lead singer of the band is me but i'm playing a female lead singer josephine mm-hmm. electric is me but i play her through like a boy coach yes. um and, and, I, oh, and I use like a, I, I use a rolling vc4 uh, <laughs> i was wondering because i was like because i listened to your podcast um and uh, and then I thought that the way that the voice in in the music I heard from you uh, sounded like the way you were yeah, speaking. It is me. Uh, <laughs> but then I'm like, so I was like, is that a vocoder or is that yeah, someone else? <laughs> I, I learned a long time ago I didn't like my male voice, so I spent time trying to create uh-huh. a character. And I kind of Josephine is a result. I had all this poetry where I kind of try to channel like some characters. I created like some short stories with these female ghost okay. characters back in the in the eighties. I wrote like some science fiction stories about a woman who got this, you know, was reincarnated, well came back as a ghost. And then the idea like she creates a band of ghosts. And they're kind of go in and out of the world. They're ethereal, they're non ethereal. And so fam like the ghost is this thing where these the, the ghost can actually be physical. And they can go back and forth. Uh-huh. And Josephine is the lead singer, and she's got this whole character. And then she has her sister Stephanie, and they they, they join the <laughs> band. They create this band, and and that's what the ghost is. And it was weird because like I for years was just a musician, you know, putting Ooh. out sound paintings. Nobody really listened to me. I had like fifteen hundred fans. And I started doing Josephine. I never <laughs> sang before, back in twenty sixteen, yeah. and I went from fifteen hundred listens to like ninety thousand listens on SoundCloud. Then I got picked wow. up by Spotify to do this podcast. I got picked up by a record label <laughs> on like I'm on a record label, Bentley Records, and all because they decided to create this character that wasn't me, but it's kind of me. Wow. Um, and and I'm able to go places with her that I can't as like a male singer because they kind of put go into this character and they deal with her and all types of issues like you know <laughs> domestic violence. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to yeah. be like a, a very assertive person in a world that's not really looking for women that that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of strength and and power, and so it's taking all these different issues and and kind of running it through Josephine being this, this not me, but you know me, <laughs> and it, mm-hmm. it was just interesting like what you can do. You know, I, I was inspired by Bowie, like Ziggy Stardust and uh, yeah. Princess Camille, mm-hmm. and uh, even Funkadelic mm-hmm. had some like weird voice vocal experiments they did back in the 70s and so i just i spent a lot of time doing that but um yeah wow i fucking love that i mean that's really inspiring it's like i'm I'm a very experimental musician to the point where like sometimes when i go to new york to do shows people would be like 
it's kind of like why I wear the mask because I'm, if you're you're doing the show and you're a guy and you're voicing the female, like having the mask yeah. is kind of like a protection in a way because the American kind of yeah. are kind of you know can be a little <laughs> not 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 understanding of it, and so I created this thing where you couldn't really right. tell the sex of the character. And so if she's if right. I'm wearing when I wear my full mask and gear, you can't really tell if I'm a female or a male. It's kind of non, non, non. Hmm. You can't tell. And so if you hear the female voice coming out of that stagecraft, you're like, "What is that? You know, who is that? You know, you don't understand it." But but you're able yeah. to kind of protect yourself, and then have an idea, hmm. or present this character, hmm. and uh, it actually worked. I mean, I I, hmm. I I would get a good response, and people were just like you know didn't understand you know exactly what i was doing but they were kind of drawn to it because it was so different um so that's yeah that's why i just have this big rig and i run about foot pedals and sequencers and modular gear running lfos and i just can run everything myself after all these years of being you know a musician i figured out how to do like a one person show but using like hardware um primarily and that's that's kind of my my stick and like i come out there and i'm I'm not using main stage. I'm not using Ableton Live. I'm using like real synths. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I mean, oh, I feel like I get so much to say now, and I like to want to start asking you questions. <laughs> well, I just gave an example of what you can do because you haven't got out there yet. But I mean, there are there, you don't yeah. just have to use main stage and Ableton Live with some of the gear that's out there today. Like even the teenage engineering OPZ. Or an OP one mm-hmm. are very powerful. You could do yeah. a lot with those. Um, so I've always been a big proponent of like looking at like an like a, you know like an Akai Force or an MPC or any kind of you know different alternative type of machine that can get you yeah. what, what you want without having to be on the Apple. You know, not that that's bad, but yeah, I, yeah. No, no, I was gonna. Uh, that was my response to that question. Would be that. I often, when I go to a show and I see someone working with Ableton and uh, and you can see kind of like the computer in the background of glowing and or like the setting up and you see like the Ableton or the, even the Logic like program running, um, I feel it's very uninspiring to watch. Like, uh, so I wouldn't want to do that. I want, would want to set it up in uh in like a different way and i think like hardware and machinery is like a way to also make it like you know like uh, um dynamic yeah, kind of like, <laughs> like seeing genesis and yes during the heyday of progressive rock you see like rick wayne yeah. and you see you know uh you know these guys that you know like keith emerson they would have all this hardware and you have all these keyboards mm. and all these euro rack type of modular sense all around them and and that yeah. Yeah. was the show, and and electronic yeah. music go kind of goes back to that being the show. You know, you know, Pink Floyd yeah. or you see a band yeah. like Radiohead is a really good example of of, of people yeah. doing that today. You know, like Wilco and Radiohead mm-hmm. come on stage with these big Euro racks, and their keyboardists and stuff will, will be you know playing the Euro racks, <laughs> actually switching yeah. the wires and running the dials and. You know that that to me is the performance. Uh, I think yeah. it actually not to take away from a DJ, but it's a different type of thing. But if you're a musician, I'd rather see like a Bernie Worrell or a Rick Waitman playing. Play yeah, that, yeah. It actually, is like live. 
Exactly. And it's a difference, I guess, also between like being an artist and being a DJ. Because uh, like, I guess they do serve two different purposes and there's nothing like... You know, I agree. Classic hip hop actually show some like really music musical skills if you're on vinyl. You know, the, the, the idea you yeah. can run the vinyl that actually is a skill. I think there's some clubs yeah, in yeah, New York yeah. City that are telling DJs you have to come in with vinyl because they want they want yeah oh, they want really? to see people actually do the artistry of being a DJ. Um, and mm. if you're on a CDJ, you don't really you can't do it at the depth of what you used to do back in the day. You know, back in the day on vinyl, you show your real skill set. Um, if you're on the mm. CDJ, you can show some skills, but not at the level of a guy on vinyl. You just, you can't. Mm. You know? So, want, I guess yeah, people want to see the artist. Mm. You know, they want to see somebody doing it. So, it's a DJ, but it's a DJ who knows that has that skill set. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I, and, <laughs> yeah. I, Hmm. Now I'm starting to think about how I would design that. Go on stage, oh, head. Main stage or Ableton Live, then I've I've I've, I've actually done my mission for day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it was already uh, already on that track. But you definitely gave me some inspiration. Yeah, pushed me in there. a lot of these guys do have the Euro action at home, and they they're doing all that stuff in their studio. I would just argue for every guy that does that in the studio, you know, bring some of that on stage. For every woman that's out there being a DJ, if you take what you yeah. did on your MIDI controller yeah. and your soft and you actually play some of those tracks live. I would just say, yeah. you know, one of the things I do as to what I do is I, I have sequences and stuff, but I, I'll, I'll mute tracks and then play stuff live on my mode. Mm -hmm. Like I'll play my mode baseline live yeah. or I'll play my mode lead. Mm -hmm. I'll mute it on my track and I'll have a lot of sequence stuff but then I when I go to play live I'm a one man band I d I'm dependent on my drum machines and stuff for some stuff but but when I go to play yeah. live I'll play the piano live or I'll play play the yeah. lead live I'll play the bass live I'll play the pad live I'll, I'll choose in different songs what parts I'm going to play and but it's so different as an audience as well. Like if you're if you're seeing someone that is immersed with what they're doing, it's pulling you in too. Like, and it's it's creating in the room. So, I I find like when a band does that, that it becomes like a, an entirely different like immersive experience for you watching well, it. You know, than a dance party. I can understand if you at a dance party, you want the stability of the song sounding what you like you heard on the radio. Right, so if you go to a dance club and you want to hear a DJ playing, there's a place for that. And if you go to, you know, modern hip hop and kids don't—they're not musicians per se; they're yeah. more hip hop artists. And the artistry is the rap. The artistry is the rap, vocal, yeah. and that's fine. I understand yeah. that. But but when you get DJs that just run, hit the button, and they're running their total thing on Ableton or main stage, and they're not really changing it. That, that yeah. Really yeah. takes away from musicianship, and I I would just argue yeah. for those guys like play some of that live, like unmute some stuff and actually do something different, um, because mm -hmm. I think that can kind of kill music if people uh, do that. Mm -hmm. Then you get like a disco type of thing going on where disco died because it kept on re replicating the same <laughs> thing over and over, and then people got tired of it. It, you know, EDM yeah. could die like that because if it just keeps on doing a drop and yeah. you don't change it, and the same producers using the same samples, using the same drum loops, using the same everything, uh, 
Yeah, but like dubstep yeah, as well. Like the genres get better with the cross modulation. You know, they you mix jazz with country, you mix jazz with classical, you mix, you know, different styles of like blues. Blues yeah. can become boring, but if you bring New Orleans blues with Texas blues mm-hmm. and then you mix it up with some hardcore Mississippi stuff, you get something Delta, you get different genres within the blues. Um, even though it's all the same, blues can kind of get stuck, but it can become something else if you take little little accents from different places. And that's, yeah, yeah, make it personal, right? Like make it present yeah, if, yeah. as well. Like yeah, bring, something that you're yeah, actually bring something to yourself. I think all the great musicians reveal yeah. something of themselves, and that's what exactly. you draw in. You've got to put something personal into your music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I yeah. Um, but but when you have that character like uh, Josephine, uh, do you find that's like a different, uh, like re- do you do you have like a relationship to that person yeah. within like yourself that goes through other things as yeah, well? Yeah, Josephine, like, is, I've built her up over time, and I've created this whole mythology on how she came to be. You know, this idea that she was in this car accident, how she became a ghost. Mm-hmm. She was like driving with her lover. And she's, you know, she has a lover that was a, a female lover and they were arguing and they were in a fast car and they they, they, they crashed the car and, and they became ghosts. And then she, she just kind of wandered in limbo for a while and then found other ghosts that were like musicians. <laughs> and they became from a band. It's kind of like the idea of the gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of get reborn. You have different phases, and then the fact that she's electric, mm-hmm. and I use synths. You know, I use like CV. I use controlled voltage analog synths. So that kind of idea that she's like a ghost in the machine, and and she kind of yeah. sometimes even her character like has sex with the machines in in in, in a kind of metaphysical way that she kind of channels her energy and sexuality through the machines, and the machines talk to her, and she talks to them. And that's the whole idea is that yeah. then it gets very personal and it gets very, you know, it goes into all kinds of areas of, of the psyche. You can go to dark places, to the happy places. You can, you can do a lot with that kind of idea. And it came from like stuff I was working on, literary stuff, you know. And so uh, yeah. that's where the whole idea of the band is like I read a lot of Ray Bradbury. I read science fiction. I read like Wordsworth and Blake. So I have a lot of Blakean ideas running through this stuff mm-hmm. and Wordsworth ideas and Longfellow, but then also like Brad Bradbury and it's just a lot of it's like a hodgepodge of a lot of things I liked. And uh and I decided mm-hmm. to try to bring Josephine as this kind of female part of myself that I, I was in touch with mm-hmm. and I said, Well I'm gonna bring her out and create like play her. And then when I get into the character I just I kind of like I, I just I can hard to explain. I just I kind of play her like a, like an actor. <laughs> no but she comes into it like uh, i don't i mean i don't i of course i don't know but but like uh, you know in in my community at home uh in gotland uh we have uh we have like ceremonies we we do it like uh there there is a community there that does it like the pagan way and uh, and we have like different ceremonies for each like season kind of like with the with the year wheel and there's eight different uh times yeah 
Yeah, it's very cool. Like you walk with the seasons basically and it's like getting in touch with like nature and the different like kind of spirit and energy I'm that is in, Cherokee, in so everything. I kind of understand what you're saying. I'm part Native American indigenous. Ah. Oh, yeah. It's very similar. All, all nature, yeah. like uh, nature-based yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, faith. Is- yeah, the, yeah, the spirits were all based on like the wind, the, the water, the, you know, yeah. animal spirits. You had animal spirits. You have like earth spirits, mm. like water, fire, air, wind everything and so yeah. the idea that you respect your environment because they're 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 like gods or they're part of spirits and so yeah. you don't you, you don't want to kill the wolf because the wolf is a spirit you know you want you don't want to kill the eagle or shoot the bird because like that is a spirit you know so there's a respect and if you do need to do it then you 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 kind of apologize because you mm-hmm. needed to do it because you needed to eat but you don't just do it for fun you, know, yeah. you have a kind of respect um, for nature that yeah. I think some other religions don't have because they, they kind of separate it. No, they it's separate true. It. And so, people, it's all your pagan or whatever. It's like, well, indigenous cultures tend, tend to have a more respect for the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And understanding that you're co creating and co living. You're not like a human and you're living in this world, which is yours. It's actually. Uh, you are just a part of a bigger world and like the trees around you and the animals around you, they equally have their own life and their own systems and collectives and everything. So like you are not the only yeah, thing. That's the <laughs> universe is other things, you know, they can be just as powerful and they yeah. may be more powerful than you. Um, and you have to have be more yeah. humble about it. I think they did a lot of indigenous um, cultures. They have like some, just a better way to coexist like with the world. Yeah, I think so. I think it's so beautiful. Like, and especially when you like for me, like walking with the seasons and celebrating them and be- and becoming part of it, it makes me a lot more in balance uh, with uh, what I'm part of, because actually the way that the seasons move is the same way that we move. It's only that you can be more or less aware of it. Yeah, uh, and it, phases, I find yeah, it... the phases of aging follow the seasons, yeah. the phases of your maturity. Yeah. Follow, follow. Yeah, faces yeah. of the moon, Everything the months. Kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much. And I think electronic is, is part of that really as well. It's just, uh, but anyways, like in, in that's, those kinds of ceremonies, you know, sometimes if you want to channel something, you, you make a mask for it and you, uh, and you make an embodiment. And I find it what happens is that you, like, you let go of yourself and you take that like spirit, that power into you. Uh, and it actually what happens is that it it does come uh, right. so and maybe it's like I, I can relate to that like what you're saying about like josephine in my own way through that yeah, like can i put on a mask but you're putting on a more like indigenous ceremonial uh, mask and not not like unlike no. like the cherokee or the blackfoot do the same thing you know they have all these ceremonial masks and cultures and like uh things that they do um that were all yeah. part of it yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so i do understand that, that, that that's how i kind of channel i did kind of talk to some people where i thought i was kind of bringing some blackfoot cherokee new age mm. <laughs> version <laughs> of what my great grand um and i'm doing it with like electronic stuff but it's not that different than what they were doing uh, no yeah mm. Hmm. That's cool. So, um, hmm. yeah. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put this out 
on the 11 platforms we're on. We're on 11 platforms on podcasts yeah. all over the world. Uh, we're yeah. on Spotify and we're a part of Spotify. And we're also on Apple. Yeah. We're on like uh, Radio Public, Stitcher, Overcast. All of these will go out uh, as we publish. We mm. will put hyperlinks that are clickable on the podcast itself. Mm. So your YouTube channel and uh, your video mm. uh, that's tied to your Instagram mm. and your Instagram profile will be all clickable links that get published. And okay. as you have mm. other projects in the future, we have brought folks on the podcast in the last two years. We've interviewed certain artists if they had different projects three, four times. Um, so as you get a different project or you're on, uh, uh, if you release your EP or your album, we can bring yeah. you back on. And we've done like album, um, like announcements and review shows with different bands. Um, so we're able to do that. So yeah, we'd love to have you back on and yeah, we let, everybody should check out all the links we're going to put on this um, podcast. And we, we thank you for, for being on the show. Mm. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure speaking to you, actually. It's really fun. Very, very much. Mm. I, I enjoy looking forward to all the projects you're working on. Mm. And especially when you put your album out, I'm going to be uh, really put, I'll be telling <laughs> all my uh, podcast audience about it because I really think you, you're on to something here. I like what you're doing. And you've got a real, really authentic voice as a, as a singer, songwriter, mm. uh, artist, and I appreciate mm. what you're doing. So keep on doing it. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> you too, Will. And <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks again. Goodbye.